0: Let us begin our sermon with prayer. Gracious, loving Lord, who became a man to save us and gives us free salvation, you have assured us in your word that embracing that free salvation and proclaiming it will mean our own family will hate and despise us. We ask you to work to today's sermon, especially through its words, that you may work your love in our hearts, that we may grow all the more love for the salvation you have won for us in its word. Let it become our motive so that we do not act in hatred and bitterness and let it be sweet as honey in our mouths so that it overcomes that bitterness in our stomach. In your name we pray. Amen. Our text for our sermon is Revelation chapter 10 verses 1 through 11. Then I saw another powerful angel coming down out of heaven. He was clothed with a cloud, a rainbow was over his head, his face was like the sun, his feet were like pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little scroll which had been opened. He put his right foot on the sea and his left on the land, he cried out with a loud voice just as a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven thunder spoke using their own voices. When the seven thunders had spoken, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things that the seven thunders said, and do not write them down. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created the sky and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it. He said, There will be no more delay. Instead, In the days of the sound made by the seventh angel, that is, when he's about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will also be completed exactly as he made his good news known to his servants, the prophets. The voice that I heard from heaven also spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that has been opened in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. And I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll out of the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, it is necessary that you prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. This is the word of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ. On Reformation Sunday, pulpit after pulpit, tell the wonderful victorious story of Martin Luther walking up to those cathedral doors and pounding the 95 Thesis against the door with a nails and, and a hammer. The truth of the matter is it was probably a gummy raisin that he stuck to the door to hold it there. The truth of the matter is he had no idea that the papacy was so corrupt and was behind it all and that he was kicking a hornet's nest that would impact the rest of his life but he stuck with it. You see, he had learned because he had access to the scriptures that Christ credits us with his righteousness, that Christ did the work to save us. Christ sends the messenger to us and the Holy Spirit works through the message that we become forgiven, that we are redeemed children of God, that we are credited with his righteousness because the Holy Spirit creates faith in our heart. It was sweet in Martin Luther's mouth. And especially in the days, weeks, and months that would follow, that sweetness would stay, and he would have to search out the Scriptures. But it turned bitter in his stomach. That bitterness is a blessing for you and I, because he would have to run to the Scriptures and crystallize out what he had begun to understand, but he would understand it very clearly. And let's not kid ourselves. It was so bitter in his stomach, that if it were not for Elector Frederick and his replacement when he had died, his half-brother, Johann the Steadfast... Luther would have been burned at the stake. And so today, as our sermon theme is, the powerful news of salvation in Christ is sweet and sour. Let us jump into our text using the Evangelical Heritage Version. In verse 1, we're told, Then I saw another powerful angel coming down out of heaven. He was clothed with a cloud. Let me just stop there. In the inspired Greek language, it literally says having thrown around himself a cloud. He dressed himself in this cloud. There are reasons because of who he swears by that commentators think this is just a a powerful angel. And it says it's a powerful angel. But this, and especially Revelation chapter 21 may very well be Christ himself. Remember, we've already seen in our messages to the church that an angel can be a human messenger, an angel can be the spiritual being like Gabriel, or, as in the Old Testament, it can be the pre-incarnate Lord, or in this case, the exalted Lord, as the spokesman for the Trinity. So, wrapping himself in a cloud reminds us of a major event in the Old Testament when the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, led Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land through that cloud. A hint that this is more than likely the Savior himself. A rainbow was over his head. Well, once again, we have to hit the brakes and think about the Old Testament. Where does the rainbow come in? It seems that the earth had a different hydrosphere before the flood, and rainbows did not exist. It's either that or God branded them. But the rainbow became a sign of peace. God's covenant that he made with Noah, that he would never destroy the world with a flood again, so poor Noah wouldn't go through post-traumatic stress disorder every time it began to rain. The rainbow is peace. He stands over the earth, he has peace, and he has the glory of God. And we're told his face was like the sun. Now again, in Revelation chapter 1, when he appears, the exalted Lord appears to the apostle John, we see that holiness, that radiance of white. Several times in Revelation, Christ's holiness is shown out as being shining like the sun. And John got to see a glimpse of that about a month and a half before Christ was crucified on the Mount of Transfiguration. And his feet were like pillars of fire. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, and we brought this up in some of the messages to the churches, that we were told that his feet were like high quality metal that has been heated in a kiln. That all the world is beneath his feet and he can crush it if he wants and the fire will destroy it. But then we're told the reason why I picked this text for our sermon text today. And he had in his hand a little scroll which had been opened. Let me emphasize the because the Greek language emphasizes it's having been opened. It was opened in the past and it remains open. In this text it becomes clear this is the good news of salvation in Christ. The same message Martin Luther discovered as so that would lead him to post that 95 thesis and to stand firm in the Lord and say forgiveness is free. It's little. Do you know why it's little? The gospel is the most the good news of salvation in Christ is the most important thing in all the world. It's little because it's not a complex message. It's as simple as John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's a lot of nuances to it, but it's that simple. When you got it, you believe it and you believe it, you are saved. And it lies open. It's for all the world to see. The message has gone out. We live in a day and age, brothers and sisters in Christ, where I often thank the Lord when I walk through department stores and see translations on sale for, for uh, dirt cheap prices, if you will, even though the word it contains in no way is dirt cheap. So we're told of that angel. He put his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. This is a very powerful and very large to cover all the sea and all the land like this. And he cried out with a loud voice just as the lion roars. The voice of Christ, the voice of the, of the messenger, of the, the spokesman of the Trinity, the good news of salvation in Christ is powerful and loud. And it's even confirmed, we're told, and when he cried out, the seven thunders spoke using their own voices. We're going to see here in a minute, when the seven Thunder spoke, nature's being forced to confirm this message, but it speaks a clear message, even though it will not be recorded. What changed Europe? Why are we celebrating over here, mostly European uh, immigrants today, why are we celebrating without fear of being persecuted or burned at the stake, the good news of salvation in Christ? Because it's powerful. The angel seems to be Christ, and the the message that angel had, the message in the little book, is the gospel, and that gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ, that God became a man and did all the work to save us, is powerful and that's why it worked in Europe. It worked all the way across Europe and people ran to embrace it. And it's why it's worked on you. In your life, you did not have to do the work to be saved. It was powerful. God sent a messenger. The Holy Spirit used that message to plant Himself into your heart and grow. And here you are today hearing the Word. The powerful news of salvation in Christ is sweet and sour. Do not kid yourself, though. It's sweet and it's sour, but the angel seems to be Christ. But the big thing is, its message is powerful. Our text continues in verse 4. When the seven thunders had spoken, I was about to write. Uh, Greek language actually is more graphic. I was about to be writing. He's waiting to be a, a stenographer, if you will, writing down the whole message. But I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things that the seven thunders send and do not write them down. This was a message for John. I actually think this was a message of encouragement in the Gospel. We're going to get here just a minute to God being fully revealed. It was a message for John, and there's no point in us trying to wonder what that message was. It was sealed up. But this would be an encouragement for John, exiled on Patmos to see, even with the the most powerful military in history at that time, the Roman army. Roman army was nothing compared to the good news of God's love for us. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. Remember, the right hand is the hand of power. The right hand is where the general sits at the king because he controls his army. And he he swore by the one who lives forever and ever. This powerful, if it's just an angel, but like I said, I'm very convinced it's Christ. Feet on the ground, one on the land, one on the sea, and a hand all the way up into heaven. And while it says it swears by, you've often heard me say, we have to pay attention to the prepositions. And this one is an exclusivity. What do you swear by if you are God? You can only swear by yourself. And it's an important message he has. So he swears by the one who lives forever and ever, that is God, who himself created the sky and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, the sea and the things in it. By the way, folks, the last book of the Bible chronologically to be written confirms here the first book of the Bible, which begins in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It confirms that creation account here. But he swears by God, and if this is Christ, he is swearing by himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has a very important message to speak to you, and so he swears by the most powerful and solemn thing that he can. And what is it that he's swearing? There will be no more delay. Literally, the Greek language says there will be no further time. So some people think it's emphasizing that when Christ returns, time is going to stop existing in a way for you and I because we, will, we, we have been created, but we will have no end. However, our translation here seems to be the best way to understand it. There will be no more delay. How many times as we've covered the, the messages to the seven churches, we've still got one more to go, have we heard Christ saying, I am coming soon. Christ comes to you now as he works through the word and his sacraments to keep that powerful gospel nourishing you. But we also know, as far as God is concerned, the end is coming soon. He often says that throughout Revelation in the present tense, that he is coming. He keeps on coming. He comes to that word, but there's going to be a culminating time, and he's not delaying in its coming. He wants all to be saved. So in verse 7, we're told, Instead, in the days of the sound made by the seventh angel, that is, when he's about to sound his trumpet, The mystery of God will also be completed, exactly as he made this good news known to his servants, the prophets. What is this mystery of God and what is this seventh trumpet? This prophecy comes after the sixth blast of a trumpet and before the seventh. In Revelation 11, verse 15, we're told the seventh angel again sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Here we usher in the last day with the blast of the seventh trumpet. When Christ returns on the last day, the mystery of God will also be not revealed, but completed. The mystery completely hidden when Adam and Eve fell into sin revealed just a glimpse, but all they needed to know to be saved, that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Revealed more and more through time. Revealed through you every time you come to the world and nourishing you. But when Christ returns, even the unbeliever, even the most God-hating, animate atheist, will look at Jesus Christ in all of His glory and say, that is the Savior. I rejected Him. I deserve the hell I am going to get. The mystery of God is truly... The revelation that you cannot find studying rocks. If you study nature, you will find that, yes, God is powerful and orderly. You won't even find God's name. You must turn to His Word. You must hear in His Word the thing that is hidden to us because in our sinful nature we are so duped by the devil's lie that we believe we earn our salvation. And yet the mystery of God is that He loves you. He became a man. He did the work to save you. And it's fully revealed on the last day because then... All of Christ is seen in all of his glory. And so we see the powerful news of salvation in Christ is sweet and sour. The angel seems to be Christ, but whatever the case, whether it's Christ or an angel, the message, the open book is powerful. The mystery of God, especially the good news of salvation in Christ, is only revealed through his word and is fully revealed on the last day. And so it is that the people in Europe were in darkness until Luther spoke up. And so it is that Luther recognized the people were used to hearing sermons and the service in Latin, and unless you were highly educated, you did not understand or speak that language. And so Luther would do things like go to the butcher and point to all these different animal parts so he could translate parts of the Old Testament, the sacrifices and stuff. He reinvented the German language. He didn't use a highfalutin language. He used the language of the common person. It cost a year's wages to buy Luther's translation of the Bible, which he dedicated freely. He didn't profit off of it. And the people ran to get it because it dispelled that darkness. It revealed the mystery that had been concealed. Sadly, when the Reformation came to Europe, they translated in a courtroom language. And so today, as we ran into English, we have started use, we use a courtroom language like with the Lord's Prayer, And miss, that God had wrote it in the common language for the common people to understand. But with the common people's understanding, the Lord was no longer hidden. The good news of salvation was revealed. And today we are blessed that, as I said, we can go to department stores and buy translations of that. The mystery of God, especially the good news of salvation in Christ, is only revealed through His Word and is fully revealed on the last day. In verse 8 we're told... The voice that I heard from heaven also spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that has been opened in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. And I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little scroll. He said to me, Take it and eat it. Literally, gobble it down. I've met people. I have been privileged to be the person, the first messenger in their life. When, the, when it really clicks with them, salvation is free. And it's amazing how they gobble it down. They become the best evangelists. They can't wait to share the good news with their friends and family. Gobble it down. But then he is told, It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll out of the angel's hand and I ate it. I gobbled it down and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, it is necessary that you prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. You've heard me say before, we've got to pay attention to the prepositions. When it says prophesy again about, it's literally upon. John would write the book of Revelation, and it would be it would be like the God it would be like the rain sprinkling upon many nations, peoples, languages, and kings, as it has been translated. He was glad to know the good news of salvation in Christ. Remember, he was one of Christ's first two disciples and he couldn't be quiet about it. He ran and told his brother James about it. He's the only disciple who would not die for the gospel. He would die of natural causes, although he lived to the very last moment for the good news of salvation in Christ. In John's mouth, it was sweet. But here he is exiled on the island of Patmos. There's something about hearing the good news of free salvation in Christ that make people hate and resent it. Martin Luther would discover this himself. Unbelievers resent it. As I've said, if it was not for the wisdom of Elector Frederick, he would have been burned at the stake. Many of his brothers in Christ who had supported him at the start of the Reformation would turn against him. Turn and start their own denominations in which... Salvation in Christ, free salvation, was not the center. He had lay people that resented him. It had turned bitter in his stomach. And you will find when you embrace the gospel and God's love is in your heart, you will have people often in your own congregation that will turn bitter against it. And you will find, even in America where we have freedom of religion, just watch the news for a while. There are people that hate the fact that you want to teach everybody, God loves you. He loves you so much he's done everything to save you. And so we see Christians delight in the good news of salvation in Christ. But unbelievers resent it. That does not stop us from making it our message in our mouth. Proclaiming the sweet message to brothers and sisters in Christ. And to those who do not yet know Christ that it is their salvation. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Martin Luther did not know he was kicking the hornet's nest that day. But he knew salvation. It was sweet in his mouth. And when it turned bitter in his stomach, he kept that sweetness in his mouth. Today we've seen the powerful news of salvation in Christ is sweet and sour. The angel seems to be Christ, and its message is powerful. That's why it worked in Europe, and that's why it has worked on you. The mystery of God, especially the good news of salvation in Christ, is only revealed through his word and is fully revealed on the last day. And Christians like yourself delight in the good news of salvation in Christ while it turns sour in our stomachs because unbelievers resent it. Amen. Now love the teaching of God's Word and grow in the knowledge that gives you wisdom, insight, and understanding. Amen.